Hello and welcome to the Lion's Roar podcast, episode three, also episode four. Uh, this week we are talking about the topic of elementary literacy. Uh, my name is Spencer Morris. I'm the director of communications for Lakeway Christian Schools. I've got Dr. Kevin Klein with me as always, our head of schools. Hey Spencer, so glad to be here. We are joined yet again by Dr. Reagan Long, the principal for Cornerstone Christian Academy. Good morning, and thanks for doing a podcast on my favorite topic. Thank you for being on the podcast. I'm always impressed whenever someone is on the podcast and comes back. It's a it's a small group because we're a young podcast, but I appreciate it. Um, and then a newcomer to the podcast, Miss Amanda Lay, second grade, right? Okay, yes. second grade teacher here at Cornerstone yes. Christian Academy. And uh, since you're new, I got to put you in the hot seat. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What would you like everybody at home to know about you? Absolutely. Um, so again, I'm Amanda Lay. I am wife to Matt, um, mom to Aubrey and Blake, um, and also a second grade teacher here at Cornerstone. So this is my 15th year in education, um, my second year at Cornerstone, and I'm the teacher leader for second and third grade. Awesome, awesome. Now, teacher leader, uh, I know it, here at you know Cornerstone at Lakeway, that means something to us. Can you tell people at home that are listening, what, what is a teacher leader? Like, what does that mean in your position? Um, I believe it's a God-given opportunity to pour into others the, what he's poured into me. So just an opportunity to share gifts and talents and um, emphasize the amazing things that are happening in all the classrooms yeah. in our building. Awesome. Awesome. Well, excellent. Well, thank you all for taking the time to be with us. Um, I, I said just a second ago, I, I you know, kind of showed my hand a little bit. I said, here at Cornerstone, this is our, our first different location recording. We are here in Dr. Long's office that she has so graciously opened to us. And by that, I mean, we set up before she was here, so she didn't have much of a say. Uh, <laughs> but we felt like it was especially having, you know, half the podcast being Cornerstone specific today and talking about elementary literacy. We wanted to be on location so we could talk a little more about it. Dr. Long, I'll, I'll start with you. I love asking these big questions at the beginning. Okay. What is literacy? Hmm. Well, Spencer, that is neither an easy <laughs> or a short answer, but right. I'll, I'll do my best to summarize and then um, hopefully we can dig into it, you know, as the podcast goes on. But um, I would say that literacy is a very complex set of skills that tends to get oversimplified when we think about small children and small bodies. We think it's a simple process, um, mostly because everybody around you knows how to read. And so you just kind of oversimplify the actual acquisition of those skills. But, but literacy in its complete nature is both an input and an output, mm -hmm. and it includes both reading and writing. So we're talking about four processors. Um, there's an orthographic processor, phonological processor, mm -hmm. meaning processor, and context processor that all have to work together, both hemispheres of your brain, four different locations for these processors, sharing information, sending it back and forth, front to back, side to side. Um, and so when you think about the complete picture of literacy, you're talking about an input in, of information, um, and then you're talking about an output of information. And so it's important to know that literacy is both reading, the intake of information, but that process is not complete until it comes back out of you. And so in school, you know, we're getting most of that 
output of information through writing. So if you think about literacy as only reading, you're really only thinking about half of the process. You have to include that output of information. And so that can look a lot of different ways. When we talk about like graphemes and phonemes, for example, learning your letters and the sounds that Mm. they make. So you've got these graphic representations that we call letters. Not every language calls them letters. There are characters, you know, there are different um, representations in different languages, but each of those graphemes has an assigned phoneme. So that's a singular sound associated with that particular um, graphic symbol. And so when you're taking all of those graphic representations and all of those sounds and putting those together to make words, putting words together to make sentences, putting sentences together to make paragraphs, and putting paragraphs together to make text, it's really a very complex process that tends to be oversimplified because everybody we know knows how to read. And then when we want to measure whether or not you are intaking all of that correctly, it has to come back out of you. So then we're listening to you read, and we're also watching you apply those skills in your writing to see if you actually understand the patterns, if you understand the rules, if you understand the nature of all of those components of literacy. So that's a short answer to a very <laughs> complex question you asked. It's a, me. a short but thorough. I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate you talking about the measurement aspect of it. Uh, last week on the podcast, we talked about how in education in general, we are very focused on measurement, as well we should be. You know, you can't track growth without measurement. But what happens is the simplification that you mentioned. You know, we mistake the measurement itself for the progress and for the process, I feel like. Sure. And so if I can just say one more thing. please. So I have this analogy that I use. Actually, I use lots of analogies, but (laughs) I'm going to share two of them with you right now. So in order to learn anything, you have to make a new pathway in the brain. And so I tell people um, that if you think about the brain like a rainforest, because your brain is very dense. Just Mine like a, is for sure. Yeah. yeah yes. Of all the people in the room, I was thinking that very thing about you, Spencer. And so um, if you think about your brain like a dense rainforest, right? And you need to make a pathway through that rainforest in order to learn any new information. Even us as adults do the same thing. And so... Um, I tell people that you can think about students coming to school um, with either a bulldozer or a machete, okay? And so some of our students take off, right? And they need to make a new pathway and learn something. And that seems to come very easily and very quickly. And so you think about them making the pathway like a bulldozer. But here's what I would tell you is even if all I bring to that path-making process in a rainforest is a machete, if I am committed, if I am repetitive, if I am consistent, even if I have to hack away with my little machete at the path through the rainforest, at the end, whether I use a bulldozer or whether I use a machete, I will end up with that path. And so I might be a lot more sweaty. I might be a lot more tired. (laughs) It might take a lot more time, but um, it's just a commitment to the consistency and repetitive nature of creating the pathway And in the end, both of those students will achieve the same thing. So that's why I talk about students like uh, they're either an Instapot or a slow cooker. (laughs) You all have heard this one from me. So, you know, um, in elementary school, we're putting lots of ingredients into the students, you know. And so, again, some of them, like an Instapot, you know, you put some ingredients in there. Ten minutes later, you've got dinner. 
but you put the same ingredients into a slow cooker and you got to wait a little while, but you're still going to have the same delicious dinner. Sure. Mm. And so, um, you know, the mechanism that makes an Instapot work is pressure. And pressure is not always a bad thing. Like competitiveness and, you know, the drive to want to succeed is not a bad thing. We don't, we don't want to discourage that in our students. And so some of them, like I said before, instantly seem to catch on and make this progress. But the mechanism that makes a slow cooker work is time. Mm. And so if we're just putting those ingredients in and nurturing, you know, that love for literacy and that confidence and just the love for learning, then over a period of time, then we're still going to see the same results. And so I don't know about you, but all I really care about at the end of the day is are we eating dinner mm. or not? Yes. You <laughs> know? And so um, those are just a couple of w- ways that, that I think um, if we look about students and if we look at students and think about their learning in those ways, um, it helps us to understand a very complex process that sometimes takes a little bit longer for some students, but at the end of that time, we're still coming mm-hmm. to the same result. Absolutely. Yes. And I I think also um, one of the privileges being here, which we'll speak to later, um, being a part of Lakeway Christian Schools and a piece of the literacy format is students accessing and gaining information and knowledge, but also teaching them to filter that through truth. Students nowadays have at the push of a button access to a million times more information than we did growing up. And so it's also really important to teach them as they click that button and access all of this information to filter what is how to process truth. it. And yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. I, I know obviously, you know, tall order to kind of give a definition to something like that. And I appreciate you know both of you for giving us details there. Uh, obviously today we're talking about elementary literacy specifically and, and how we kind of parse down on that. I know it's a part of that definition, but Miss um, Lay, I'll, I'll start with you. How would you describe early literacy or or elementary literacy specifically? Um, I believe elementary literacy takes really two two parts. Um, Mm. In the K-2 realm, we're really learning to read, Mm. whereas in the 3-5 realm, we're really reading to learn. The beautiful piece in this process here is um, really helping children identify and understanding as educators that they already have all the skills and the gifts and talents to be all of the things that God has called them to be. And so really embracing the fact that every child is an individual and that they are not a reading level. They are not a (laughs) words per minute category. So um, we really embrace every child's growth and success and progress. Um, But again, I believe in the K2 realm, you're really learning to read. And in the three, five realm, we're teaching them to read, to learn across the curriculum. I, I appreciate that. I, I you, you talked about Dr. Long. You, you like your analogies, and I'm, I'm the same way. I, they mm-hmm. simplify things yeah. to my uh, self admittedly dense brain, uh, and so I appreciate you. You know, describing it that way. It goes back to our discussion on measurement and like how we look at things. I, uh, to extend your your metaphor a little bit there, Dr. Long. You know, I, as a bulldozer kid myself back in the day, I would find that you know kids that were machete learners around me, once I got past the test and I didn't need that path anymore Mm. and it started growing back over a little bit, those kids that were in the trenches, if you will, and macheted their way there, sometimes it would stick with them 
yes. much longer and that information would be more meaningful for them. Now, does that mean that I was a bad learner and they were a good one? No, but it, it mm-hmm. speaks to what you're saying, Miss Lay, that it, it's an individual process or individual yeah, learners. And I, I agree with that idea of the retention of information. Right. You know, we, we want them to be able to um, access information correctly in their reading books and in their math books. But this is a every day, all day in life. This spills over into everything um, that they do in life. So literacy doesn't just happen within the walls of our school. Yeah. And when we talk about elementary literacy, early literacy in particular, you know, we're talking about not just the ability to call a certain set of words. So um, if you were a bulldozer kid, Spencer, then you probably acquired the skill of calling words quickly. So um, I think it's important for all of our listeners to understand that being able to read, being a proficient reader is not simply the ability to call a set of words that you Mm. see on a piece of paper. And so early literacy is a combination of knowing how to decode and blend, which means knowing how to take words apart by knowing the sounds that each of those letters make and then being able to put them back together. It's also the acquisition of a set of sight words. You know, the English language is the most complicated language because Letters don't follow rules, rules (laughs) change in the middle of words, you know, um, it can be nonsensical to very literal minded young children. And so you're talking about in child development, children who are very literal minded, and then you present them with a language that doesn't follow its own rules. And that can be nonsensical in several ways. And so it is important that they know um, what the graphemes and phonemes are. It is important that they know that some of them don't follow the rules, so they have to learn a set of sight words. But also, there's so much more to literacy than just being able to call words on paper. So there's this comprehension part of it that is so important, but there's also the ability to think deeply, to talk Mm -hmm. articulately about what we're reading. And so we're not just trying to go fast. We're not just trying to acquire skills quickly. We're trying to acquire them with a depth of knowledge that can be used Um, to understand God's creation, to understand God's word, um, but then also to interact with God's people around both what the Bible says and what we encounter in, you know, in literature, in reading around us. Mm. I I appreciate you making that connection because that that segues perfectly into my next question, actually. Great. You know, it Hopefully you'll have me back. <laughs> you're doing a great job yeah, so far. I, I know we don't grade this, but I think you're killing it. Uh, <laughs> but what, what I'm hearing when we talk about literacy is that, yes, it's a toolkit. Yes, it's a set of skills, but it isn't a hurdle to be overcome. It, it's something that mm-hmm. becomes a part of you. So with that in mind, Dr. Long, what is the connection between literacy and development? for a student. I know you were kind of speaking to that a bit. Can you elaborate on that connection? Sure. Um, So let me talk about this in a couple of ways, because I believe to the core of my being that people operate from their confidence. Um, And so, you know, when we talk about like a partnership with families, which is such a crucial thing to what we do here at Lakeway Christian Schools. But when we talk about um, development of our children, specifically around the area of literacy, then I would say that one of the most important components of that development is just a love of reading. And Mm. so, you know, children naturally, I feel like, 
love for books to be read to them. They love the experience of reading. And so I could say for me in their development, one of the most important things is that the experiences around literacy are warm, mm, yes. that they are positive. Um, so I, I tell parents like the most important thing you can do is pull them up into your lap um, snuggle with them, you know, make up silly voices to go <laughs> yes. along with the characters in a story. Just if I say to a child, do you want to read a book? I want their face to come alive, yeah. you know, with excitement yeah. about that. And, and I also tell parents, you know, like what I, what the last thing that I would want you to do is to like, wrong, wrong, you know, <laughs> yes. because right. it kills their confidence and 100%. all of us, work from a place of confidence. And so if, if our families are just encouraging and making it a beautiful, warm experience, and we are giving them the techniques and the skills that they need, and then we all are just taking a deep breath and giving them the time that they need yes. to develop while encouraging them, while modeling for them what prosodic reading sounds like, um, it's so important to their development because once you've decided that you can't do something, mm. convincing a small child who has decided that they can't, that they can, is one of the hardest things that we do in elementary school. But when they believe that they can, because Miss Leigh has already said, God said, I created you with a plan and purpose. I gave you all the gifts and talents and abilities that you need. And I will bring about the good work that I started in you. And that's all him. Mm. You know, none of that says yes. Reagan Long will do this or Amanda Lay will do this. God said he would do it and he doesn't fail and he, and he doesn't promise and not, you know, fulfill. And so we have this confidence in God that he made those promises to our students. Sure. So if we can just love them and we can just mm -hmm. encourage them and give them confidence and give them the skills that they need in partnership with their families, you know, we don't have a lot to worry about mm. as far as, you know, will they get there or not? Yeah, right. they will because their God promised them that they will. And this gets me like fired <laughs> up. Like the success of children is overwhelming to watch and just that transformation, um, I will tell you a story specifically. Um, this year, I sat down with a student at the beginning of the year to read, and the student's first response to me was, I can't. I'm a mm. tier two. But it, they said And I that, stopped wow. right then, and we went and got God's word. And I said, sweet friend, the first thing we're going to do is go to the Bible and see what God says about you. And so I think one of the hindrances we have um, produced in education is assigning labels to children as readers. And then those labels, they become to own those. And that becomes sure. what they see as their capability. And so um, it is so important that I tell my students all the time, for the rest of your life, I'm in your corner. They need to know that if anybody in this world believes in you, I do, right? And so yeah. a support system and building that confidence at home as well, building the confidence of the parents that you are fully equipped to help your child learn to read. You are their very first teacher. Um, confidence is such a pivotal piece in the literacy process. Absolutely. As an educator, you want to model behavior in just about everything mm -hmm. you do. There's not really a time you get to turn it off. And that includes four parents in those situations. Yeah. And we talk a lot too about like the behaviors of a particular discipline. So if I am a reader and I am, and you know, we talked um, <laughs> right. the, the last time that I was on here and you said 
leaders or readers. And so I have remembered that. But if I am a reader, right, what behaviors do a reader have? A reader has a personal library. I have a library of books at my at my home. Yeah. So it's important for our students to have a library. Um, readers have relationships around books. And so, you know, maybe they're in book clubs. Maybe they just talk to their friends about the books that they're reading. And then, you know, the connection for us is, do you go to Sunday school and talk with people about a particular book that you're reading? Mm. That's called the Bible. You know, that was like a little <laughs> segue there. But do you have that relationship around a book with, you know, people faith-based? And and you do, and I do too. And so um, there are, re- there are um, behaviors around reading that we also want our students to know because that is a long-term practice that we want them um, to keep up, not just something that they have to do because it's an assignment at school, but because we want them to adopt this discipline as something that's valuable to them over the long term, um, not just something to get them through or to get a certain grade, but to create a pattern of behavior that they need um, to be successful for the rest of their life. Because like you said, they need to read, right? Sure. Because that's an important just behavior for us as um, successful people. But also, they need to read the Bible. And then they need to be able to talk to people about it, apply what it's saying to their life, think critically about it. All of those really important behaviors that all readers have. Um, it's not just the skills and the technical part of it, but it's the lifestyle and behavior around it that we want them to take with them on even past their schooling. Absolutely. And and you only set yourself up for success as a parent, teacher, principal, as an educator of students when you make those moments mm. part of your pattern, part mm. of your process, rather than presenting them as a performance or a test. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you said, whenever it's, you know, oh, we're about to go to bed, let's read a book together. That should be a moment of joy yes. and of comfort and of peace rather than, oh man, if I say this word wrong in this Captain yeah, Underpants yeah. book, then my mom's going to yell at me yeah, <laughs> or something that's like that. That was exactly yeah. the adjective I was thinking. It should be a joyous experience. Absolutely. Um, if you walk in my classroom and we are on the carpet and I'm reading, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, they are immersed in, Sure. I had a parent say to me that she was reading the same book that to her child that we are reading in class. And the child said, Oh, but you have to read it like Mrs. Lay reads it. You know, it's important <laughs> it that we're good, modeling yeah. <laughs> that, that it's, that it is a joyous experience and that we're teaching them how to input that information and apply their own knowledge to it, to derive their own meaning from it and to be able to conversate about it. But it should be as a joyous experience and they should see us as educators and their parents modeling it. And I think that's a really important piece. If our students aren't seeing us read, if our students aren't seeing their parents read, it should be a modeled behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, that's really good that, um, I've just been quiet and just listening uh, and taking it all in. uh, And you can just hear the joy and the passion in in your all's voice as you talk about that. As we kind of near the end of part one of this podcast, the the last question that we have, um, you know, is for really both of you. And and it's, and it's, I will, I will frame it in this. Um, I um, 
you know, I've had all my experience, basically education has been secondary almost. And, um, and most of the experience is, is not, um, sometimes it's not as joyous at times when you're raising, if you're raising a middle schooler and a high schooler out there, uh, we'll pray for you at the end of this podcast today. Like we know that journey's rough. Um, and, but the foundation is so important to the, to the next five years, the next 10 years. Um, when we talk about literacy, the thing that always comes to my mind now, um, is, um, is last year, a student in your class and he stops me on his way to chapel and he's thrilled because he has his Bible and he gives me a hug and he says, Hey, I'm so excited. I can read my Bible now. Mm. And that's just (laughs) life changing. You know, literacy obviously is a skill that you need your whole life. Um, but if, but if we do, if we do anchor ourselves as believers, there's no greater gift we can give than the ability to access what God says about us mm-hmm. and what he wants for our life and, and how we grow closer to him. Like there's no greater gift than that. Um, and so really, um, you know, you've talked a lot about this already, but, but if I said, Hey, you know, what is your, what is your one minute? two minute, 10 minutes bill, uh, on, uh, what is, what is Cornerstone's literacy strategy? Uh, pre K five, what's your foundational beliefs? Not too long. You can start and, and miss lay. If you'll kind of like wrap that up kind of as we close out part one of this podcast. Yeah. So you, you kind of gave away the beginning of my stump speech, but you know, I say <laughs> all of the time, right. That, um, what, It gets me up in the morning to talk about teaching kids to read because giving them the skills that they need to access the greatest love letter ever written to them, the thing that will speak truth into the hardest situations of their life, the thing that they can go back to and depend on is a reason to get up in the morning and be excited about what you do. And so um, I would say for us, literacy development for me is always going to include both camps that literacy can kind of be seen as settling in. And so there's um, a pendulum swing in education that goes back and forth between phonics and whole language. Um, And we could debate that on another podcast. But I would say that for me, it always has to be both. They have to know how to manipulate sounds, graphemes, phonemes. They have to know how to do all of that so that they can decode and blend. They also have to have the experience of beautiful stories with comprehension conversations and just, you know, relationships around reading and books. It, it always has to be both. But I would say, um, you know, for us, literacy development looks like we're learning to read by having it modeled for us, by learning all of those important components. And then we are taking that ability to read to our novel studies, and we are looking at the content of those novels written by humans, and we are looking at the content of the Bible written by God, and we are saying, in what ways do these line up and reinforce Mm -hmm. what we read Mm -hmm. in the Bible, and in what ways do these contradict and show us, you know, the brokenness of humanity, but also the constant hope of our redemption and our redeemer. Mm. And so, you know, that's how I would summarize literacy. Mm -hmm. Although Spencer, I could talk from now (laughs) until retirement about this particular Mm -hmm. topic. I think that's such a um, beautiful summary in our classroom. We have a general phrase. How can we look at this through God's truth? And this can be substituted with this math strategy, this book, 
this theme, this element, truly teaching children to look at the world, whatever they're experiencing, through the lens of God's Word. And so one of the beautiful pieces that we're privileged to do here is do all of that through God's Word. So we're not practicing those um, phony manipulation and those kind of things in isolation. Right. It's cumulative. So for instance, this week and the past week, we're studying text features. So we took a passage from the Bible and we found the text features that we had been studying in God's Word. Then in chapel for the next five weeks, they're actually using labels to label portions in their Bible so that they can share the gospel plan with others quickly. Just this idea that all of these things overlap. Um, But with that being said, clearly pointing them to the truth of Christ, not separating them from, you know, it's really important that we do teach them to look at novels written by humans and be able to look at those through the lens of God's truth. That's a really, really important skill. I think that's a beautiful privilege that we have within Christian education Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's never going to be, well, I should say a part of academia, just being academic in general is application. Like if you are just learning something in a vacuum to kind of reference the way you had said that Miss Lay, um, and you don't plan to do anything with it, what is the point? Absolutely. And, and so that's, you know, a process at just any educational in, institution mm-hmm. is determining, hey, how do I get this student passionate Absolutely. about this? How do I make you care about this? And and in other institutions, they do an exceptional job of that, you know, mm-hmm. it, like thinking about, oh, here's a, here's a hobby that you enjoy or here's something you care about. And, you know, yes. I, I think there's so much value to that. But the privilege that we share in Christian education is we have this foundational fundamental piece of who mm. we have agreed to be mm-hmm. mm. yeah. that is the reason that we care about yes literacy that we care about you know the different pieces of what we are learning mm-hmm. and that's something we we talk with our own children about is teaching you that biblical worldview is not sheltering you it's empowering you absolutely mm. and yeah. i think that's a really important piece it's a privilege Absolutely. When we talked about biblical worldview at, in an earlier episode of the podcast, the, the word that keeps coming back to me is your perspective. You know, it, it isn't just a piece of what you're doing. The, I'll refer to something Dr. Brown said last week. You don't just have Christian days and non-Christian days. It, it is your lens through which you mm-hmm. view everything Yeah. if you're doing it properly. It's a process you approach at all times. So. Yeah. Uh, Well, with that in mind, I mean, this has been just exceptional discussion, and uh, it it is not ending for us here in in our studio space, but um, if you're listening at home, uh, we're going to wrap it up here for this week. Uh, We hope you join us again next week for the second part of this discussion on elementary literacy. So it'll probably feel a little weird for me to say this, but I am going to say thank you right now um, to our special guest, Ms. Lay and uh, Dr. Long. We appreciate your time and your thoughtfulness, but most importantly, your heart on uh, this discussion and you know I'm speaking for everybody listening that I can tell as you speak about it how passionate you are about our students and this topic in general so thank you for that but alrighty we will end it here unless there are any other thoughts and we'll take a quick break and uh, be back with everybody next week um, can we get a really quick go Cubs I don't think we can go an episode Absolutely. without a go Lions go Cubs so on three we'll give a go Cubs one two three go, go Cubs, Cubs.